This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Father, we, we thank you for, um, for redeeming us. We thank you that, as we're even going to see later on in this, this message in, in Colossians 3, that, that we are hidden with Christ in God, and that that, that is who we are in Christ as our position in, in you. And Father, we, we know that because of that, every, every aspect of who we are is to be impacted, including our minds. And so as we talk this morning about setting our minds on the Spirit, remind us that so much of, of, of life, everything really is flowing from within, from the heart, from the mind. And we pray that you would give us renewed minds by the, the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're new today, uh, we are walking through the book of Romans together. That's just kind of usually what we do as a church family. We're usually walking through a book of the Bible. Um, And so we are walking through the book of Romans. And so we are in chapter 8. And so uh, I'll ask you to turn there in your copy of God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, um, we're on page 944 if you use one of the Bibles in the pews. And so we're talking this morning about setting our minds on the Spirit. We've taken a few weeks, and we're going to take even more, at least one more message, and really just focus on life in the Spirit. J.D. Greer is a pastor uh, down in Durham, and he says that too many believers relate to the Holy Spirit the way that we relate to our pituitary gland. Um, And that is that if you're, well, one of your medical people here, you you would know all about it, but for most folks, ordinary folks like me, uh, here's the way I think about my pituitary gland, okay? I know it's in my body. Um, I want it to work well. Um, I don't want to lose it, but I'm not really sure exactly what it does. There are too many believers that are like that with the, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God within us. And so we're taking a few weeks here in Romans 8 just to talk about uh, life in the Spirit. And, and today we're going to be seeing how Paul is telling us that our minds are to be impacted by the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Romans 8 and verses 5 through 11. I'll ask you to stand in honor of the author of God's word as we look at it and prepare to study it. Setting our minds on the Spirit. Let's, uh, let's begin here in Romans 8 with, with verse 5. The Bible says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Now, just stopping here for a second. When Paul talks about the flesh here in verses 5 and 6, he's not talking about the tissue that covers our skeleton. He, he's talking here about the, the sin nature, okay? And then he says in verse 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. 
Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, the, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells within you. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. With the exception of our annual FBC tournament, I basically haven't played golf in about five years. And it's not because I don't enjoy it, I really do. Um, it's been a busy season in our lives and I'm pretty sure at some point I'm gonna kinda take the game back up again. But I'm also really confident that when I do, I'm not gonna be any good at it. And you say, well, that's because you hadn't played it in a while. Well, it's not only that. I'm really confident that I'm not going to be any good at it because I wasn't any good at it when I was playing a lot of golf. Um, but, you know, I'm going to try. And, and I will tinker and, you know, I'll, I'll tweak my swing and I'll mess with equipment and, and all of that. But according to the, the legendary golfer Bobby Jones, none of that stuff is the key issue in golf. Jones is famous for saying that golf is played mainly on a five and a half inch course. The space between your ears. <laughs> Paul here is talking a lot about the mind in this text, isn't he? And see, if you're going to have the right mindset for life, that's not going to come by just sort of psyching yourself up. It isn't going to come just by doubling down on the self-help books or self-help seminars. Because we need a lot more than self-help. We need the Spirit's help. And, that, and that's what this passage is talking about. How does the Holy Spirit impact our minds? The first thing that we see in this text is that your mind matters. That's the title of a little book by John Stott, and it is so true. Let's check out verse, verse 5. What does Paul say here? He says here in, in, verse, in verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, here in verse 5, Paul is talking about both a reality and a discipline. So in one sense... He's talking about a reality for the believer. And that is that if you're genuinely saved, then your, your, your thinking is, is going to be impacted. If, if, you're, if you're truly born again, then the, the Holy Spirit is doing a transforming work on your mind. We're going to see later on in this text and talk about more in verse 9 that if we're believers, the Holy Spirit indwells us. He says, look at in your Bibles in verse 9. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so it is utterly impossible to be a Christian 
and not have the Holy Spirit, and it is also utterly impossible to have the Holy Spirit and, and not have our, our mind, our thinking, impacted by the indwelling of the, of the, of the Holy Spirit with, within us. I mean, you know, if, if, you, if, someone's, if someone's thinking is not, is not being impacted by the Spirit, you know, they may have gotten a dose of religion, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit dwells within us, and he is in the process of transforming our, our minds. So in one sense here, in verse 5, Paul is ta- just talking about a reality for believers, right? We have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is transforming our, our minds. It's, it's who we are. It's our identity in Christ. But in another sense, he's talking here about a discipline. So check out verse 5 again and the, the language here. He says it twice. Set their minds. Set their minds. So the, the word set here, that's not passive, is it? Right? That's, that's a very uh, active word. And so it's, it's talking about the fact that because of who we are in Christ, that there's an intentionality to our thinking. Um, look on the screens at Colossians 3 and verses 1 through 3, and we're going to see here both the reality and the discipline that we're talking about. Paul says here in Colossians 3, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So in one sense here, Paul's talking about the reality of who we are in Christ, right? He says in verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ. He says in verse 3, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's That's who you are in Christ. It's reality. But then he also uses language here that, that calls for us to exercise discipline and intentionality when it comes to our minds, right? What does he say in verse 1? Seek the things that are above. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on riches, not on worldly achievements, not on position, not on prestige, not on power. Set your minds on Christ. Set your minds on the things of the Spirit. And listen, this is daily, daily discipline. Daily setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. Daily resetting. Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so Jesus is saying here that in the life of a believer, there there has to be a daily dying to self, sin and self, that we might live fully for God. A daily fleeing from sin and a daily pursuing Christ, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So 
what does that look like? What are some practices that, that help in, in, in that? I want to talk to not only our graduates, but, you know, these are things for, for all of us. First of all, um, I'm going to reiterate some of the things that Michael said earlier. First of all, immersing yourself in the Word of God and prayer. How does, how does the Word relate to the Spirit? So in Ephesians 6.17, the Bible says that the, the Word is the sword of the Spirit. So one of the ways that the Spirit is unleashed in our lives is through the Word of God. Uh, Paul says in Galatians 3.5, he, he asks, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so through works of the law or by hearing with faith? Hearing what with faith? Hearing the word of God with faith. So Paul is saying there in Galatians 3, 5, that, that, the, that the supply of the spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit is linked to our, our hearing of God's word with, with faith. And so, you know, on a daily basis, that takes discipline, so, I mean, the Holy Spirit dwells within us as believers, and one of the primary ways that the Spirit is unleashed in our lives is, is through the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit's not going to pick up your Bible in your dorm room or in your house and read it. It takes intentionality and, and discipline on your part, and so look, get a plan, get a time, it's the most important time of your day, and, and, and make an appointment to get into the Word of God and prayer. Just kind of block that out as a daily discipline in your life. There's just no substitute for it. Um, but not only that, but we're to learn how to practice the presence of God. So it's not just a matter of kind of having a quiet time and, 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 uh, and getting into God's word and praying. If we just sort of leave that time and then we kind of do the rest of life without reference to God, we're, we're called to practice his presence. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. And you know, this is the, this is the area that's the biggest challenge for me because I can be pretty good at disciplining myself, you know, to have that, that time each day to, to get into God's word and pray. But if I'm not like super, super careful, uh, what happens is I can just kind of get into my day and the course of my day and just get really busy. And I find myself just like doing life without really thinking about God, even as a pastor, even though I'm like doing godly things, you know, I can just sort of get, get uh, where I'm, I'm kind of doing life and I'm, I'm not really consciously pre uh, uh, aware of God's presence. And so, you know, praying without ceasing means that, you know, throughout the day and as you enter into conversations with people and you're taking on different tasks in your day or maybe you need guidance on something or maybe you're tempted to worry about something or be burdened about something, it means that you're just immediately just giving those things to the Lord. Holy Spirit, help me here. Uh, I need your guidance. You know, I need your help. I, I need your intervention. I need you to work in this situation. So like we're constantly 
We're doing life with God. And then with God's word, it's not just sort of like reading it and letting it, letting it pass through our minds like water through a pipe. It, it means that we, we think about what we're reading and we, don't, we, we, we think about it as we're reading it, but then even beyond that, it's sort of, sort of chewing on, on what, we're, what we're learning in God's word. So, you know, it's been super helpful to me to... Um, during my, during my time with the Lord each day, and there might be a certain verse of scripture that kind of stands out. And so what I'll do is just, uh, on, I've, I've done it different ways in the past. I've used cards or whatever. Increasingly, I, now I use my phone. And so I'll just hit something on my phone, and that, I'll have those verses where I can just kind of like keep going back to and, and encourage myself uh, with those verses and just kind of just keep preaching truth to myself and chewing on that. Um, so that my mind is being more and more shaped by the, the, the word of God. So immersing yourself in the word and, and, and prayer. A, another thing, immersing yourself in a local church. Ephesians 5.25 says that Christ loves the church, loved the church and gave himself for it. And so part of loving Jesus is loving what Jesus loves. Jesus loves his church. And again, as Michael said, uh, for those of you who are, are leaving for college, I mean, campus ministry is great. I love crew and InterVarsity and BCM. There are other good uh, campus ministries, and I, I hope that you will be involved in one, but do not look at it as a substitute for church. It is not. We all need a local church where the Bible is preached expositorily, where the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper are celebrated, where we are around people of different ages, not just all college students, but you know, people of different ages and, and backgrounds and differences where we learn to love people who are different from us and be loved and serve and be served. We need, we need pastors. We need to, to be, uh, we need accountability. Um, we need pastors and shepherds who are, who are tasked um, with, with, uh, with, with, our, with our souls and brothers and sisters that we're, that we're linked to in the body so that there's a sense of, of accountability. And so, you know, if you're, as you leave for college, uh, you know, join a church or at least come under the watch chair of a local church that you are a part of, that's, that's your family uh, near your, your campus. So immersing ourselves in the local church. And then, and then a third practice that, that just is, uh, is used greatly in the spirit being unleashed in our lives and, and, and forming our minds is the sharing of our faith and, and serving others. You know, when I read the book of Acts, I see the pattern that the early believers um, were filled with the Spirit and spoke the word with boldness. And those two things, the, the speaking of the word with boldness and the filling of the Spirit, just you see a pattern in Acts where those two things are, are, are linked. And so, you know, if you're feeling dry spiritually, get outside of yourself. 
and tell someone else about Jesus. Get, in, get involved in serving others for Christ's sake. You know, it's, kind of, it's hard to steer a parked car, right? <laughs> but, but as the car begins to, as you put it in gear, and the car begins to move, it's a lot, it, steering is easy. Okay, and so as, as we move toward witness and ministry, you know, that's just part of how the, the spirit is unleashed in our lives. The second thing that we see in this text is that the spirit indwells you in the present. The spirit indwells you in the present. Let's look at verse nine again. Paul says, you however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. In other words, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, it means that you're not a believer. Now Jesus makes this promise to his children. John 14, 15 and following, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Wow, what a precious promise. I mean, we are never alone. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. You know, too many believers have a conception of, of the Christian life and, and Jesus as, you know, someone who came and kind of did his thing and he died for our sins on the cross and he rose from the dead um, and he ascended into heaven and, and, and one day he's going to return. But what is missing in that scenario? Pentecost. You know, Jesus is not like a, a teacher who sort of like gives an assignment to the students and just says, okay, uh, you be busy about this work and I'll be back after a while. No, no, there's Pentecost, okay? The Holy Spirit, Jesus ascended and then what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out so that we don't have to do life alone ever we do life with his empowering presence. We, his guidance, his power, his, 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 he is with us 24-7. Now, again, there's a corollary to this, okay? Verse 9 makes it really clear that if we are in, in Christ, then we have the Holy Spirit, but the corollary to this is that if someone is not in Christ, they do not have the Holy Spirit, and, and that, that means all kinds of things. Um, look at verse seven. He says, for the mind that is set on the flesh, and he's talking about someone who is, who is not in Christ here. This is, these are um, people who are not yet believers, Okay. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Notice those last three words in verse seven. Indeed, it cannot. There is an inability. 
There is an inability of someone who is not yet in Christ, who does not have the Holy Spirit, to obey God. So, so what is the implication of that for like how we do ministry? What is the implication of that for what unbelieving friends and family members need from us? What do, let's make it personal. What do your unsaved friends and family members need from you? Do they need you to tell them to clean up their act? Do they need like moral pep talks from you to get it together? Do they need you to become Mr. or Mrs. Culture Warrior and and argue with them and win the argument about this hot button issue in the culture or that? No, what do your unsaved friends and family members most need from you? They need you to love them and tell them about Jesus. Because it's only when we have Jesus that we have the Holy Spirit. And it's only when we have the Holy Spirit that our minds and our behaviors and our worldviews and all the rest begin to be transformed. Right? People need the Lord. And we've got the assignment of telling them about him. So, for believers, the Spirit indwells you in the present, but then we see something else here. And that is that the indwelling Spirit is a guarantee of your future. The indwelling Spirit is a guarantee of of your future. So let's check out verse 11. Paul says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Paul's talking here about the return of Christ. And he is saying that when Jesus returns, that these, these mortal bodies that we have right now are going to be transformed. And so people who have died in Christ, they are going to, to be raised with, with new bodies, with new imperishable bodies. Bodies not subject to disease or death or sin, if we are still alive when Jesus returns, then we too are instantly going to uh, get transformed, glorified, imperishable bodies. Our bodies are going to be transformed from these mortal bodies to bodies, again, not subject to sin or disease or aging or death. That is our future as believers. Now, what he's saying here in verse 11 is that the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is like a a guarantee of that glorious future. So look at what he says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Paul says there, 
In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Again, Paul is saying here, what he is saying in Romans 5:11, which is that the, the presence of the Spirit in our lives is, is like a guarantee of what is going to happen in our future. You know, Courtney and I were kind of on our our 20-some hour uh, plane odyssey uh, a couple of weeks ago and going to and from uh, Thailand. You're going through uh, airports. I mean, the one thing that you gotta keep handy is your your passport and your boarding pass. Can't, you're not getting places without those. And so when you fly, when you go up to the, the gate and you get ready to get on the plane, there's a person there that's going to be checking every single person. And, you know, if you were to walk up to that, uh, that, that gate and you didn't have a boarding pass, you didn't have a passport, you didn't have ID, <laughs> like, you're going to be stopped and you're going to be asked, okay, uh, sir, ma'am, may I see your boarding pass? May I see your passport? May I see your ID? And, and so your, those things kind of like act like a receipt, right? They function like a, like a receipt. But what's really being asked, um, especially these days, what's being asked when they ask those questions? The question that's being asked is, do you really belong on this flight? The presence of the Spirit in our lives as believers is like a receipt. It is like a guarantee of, of what, that we belong to him and that our future is going to be with him. Let's pray together. Here's the question. Do you belong to Jesus? Do you belong to him? If you don't, then you can. You can. You, you can leave this room today belonging to him. Listen, he loves you. He has, he has proven that love. As we saw in Romans 5 and verse 8, that God, God demonstrates, God proves his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Son of God, who had no sin, died on a cross for your sins and mine. And he rose from the dead. And his resurrection is the guarantee of the resurrection for all who trust in him. But have you done that? You know, have, have you turned to Jesus in repentance and faith? Have you turned from sin and self and trying to do life on your own apart from him? and turned to Jesus and placed all your confidence in his finished work. That's where our confidence has to be. It can't be in our works. It can't be in anything in us. It has to be in Jesus, what Jesus has done. His death for our sins, his blood shed for us, his resurrection from the dead. Is that where your confidence is placed? 
turn to him right now. Turn from everything else. Turn to Jesus, the one who loves you the most. And trust him. Receive him. Welcome him into your life as your Savior and Lord. So, Father, I just lift up everyone in my hearing right now. I just I pray, Father, for anyone here who doesn't yet know Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit would open the eyes of their hearts, that they right now would turn to Jesus and trust in him as Savior and as King. Take their hands off the controls of their life and, and, and give it to Jesus. Father, we, we pray as believers. Lord, I, I pray for our graduates. We pray that, that Christ would be first, that our minds would be increasingly formed and transformed by your spirit as we seek the things that are above daily. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand and we're gonna have a song of invitation. And if you're here today and God's speaking to you about a relationship with him, we would love to come alongside you, uh, pray with you. We'll be here during this time. We'll be here after uh, this service. If you're here today and God's speaking to you, say, I want First Baptist to be my home, then we would love to welcome you and just talk with you about that and, and, and come alongside and our membership process. And so we just invite you to come as the Spirit leads. hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine, Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you wanna spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to Him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where His love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.